you need to reflect the diversity that we want to see throughout the organization at the very top. It sets a bit of a tone, sets a bit of an expectation, and it, and it, it sets sort of the view that this can be done. This is not something that's impossible. There's a vast array of talent out there at both the executive level, the board level, and, and many other levels. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of Electricity Canada. This is episode 072, number 72 of the Flux Capacitor. Once again this year for International Women's Day, a member of the team here is taking over the podcast. Brittany Bodding, Director of Generation here at Electricity Canada, is your host for this episode. And her special guest is Heather Ferguson, Senior Vice President, Business Development and Corporate Affairs at Ontario Power Generation. Their wide-ranging conversation touches on diversity, the imperative of Indigenous reconciliation, and how OPG will be leading the drive to net zero, with plans for SMRs, new hydro, hydrogen, storage, and electrified transportation. They also touch on some of the challenges, including the need for Canada to ensure a competitive investment climate and the need for regulatory efficiency. They wrap up their conversation with Heather's book recommendation. Here is Brittany's conversation with Heather Ferguson, recorded for International Women's Day 2023. Hi everyone, my name is Brittany Bodding and I'm the Director of Generation at Electricity Canada. Uh, but today I will be your Flux Capacitor host for this International Women's Day Takeover. Uh, chatting with me today is Heather Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Business Development and Corporate Affairs at OPG. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. Good morning. Morning. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, so let's just dive into it. So Heather, you have over 25 years of experience in the energy and electricity sector. Uh, what has your journey been like so far? Uh, well, well, so far, um, you know, I, I guess I'll say one thing about the sector, and it's a little hard to kind of cover 25 plus years in, in, a, in a little conversation, but it's, it's never been boring. Um, it's a very complex sector, um, perhaps by design, um, but I've, I've no, I've had a chance to learn so much and I continue to learn um, in every new role I take. And I think it's really become probably the most fascinating in the last sort of five to 10 years, if I think about it, when you know we're facing critical issues as a sector, the need to build out the system has never been greater to address climate change. But at the same time, the part that probably makes it most fascinating is is really um, also dealing with reconciliation as we go through that process. It makes it all that much more critical. It takes an already critical issue and make it that much more critical and important. And, uh, and, and the issues maybe we'll talk a little bit today about diversity and inclusion and ensuring that um, you know, we need to grow this sector, but we need to do it in a way that brings everyone along with us, including women, including indigenous communities, including a whole host of, of diverse groups. And so it kind of takes, a, like I said, a really critical issue, super critical now with climate change, the drive to net zero and the system to support it, but also ensuring these other issues are, are, are foremost in our minds as we go about this. So you mentioned that you've seen a lot of change in the last, you know, five, 10 years. 
How overall do you think the sector has changed uh, throughout your career? Well, that again is a pretty challenging question. <laughs> as I this. So, I mean, there's been a constant shift. As you go through this sector, if you look back, I mean, there's gonna be political influences, um, environmental influences, social influences, broader macroeconomic influences that are gonna you know, influence the sector. Um, but I, I think it really comes back to shifting the sector to be one that's bringing the economy, bringing along the communities and, and doing a much better job at listening to people as we go through this and doing a much better job at educating and thinking about all the different things we're going to need to be doing. If we're going to address climate change, uh, the electricity sector is, is, is at the backbone of a lot of it because it can help electrify so many other portions of the economy, including transportation, buildings. I mean, it's really at the root of it. So I think um, as, we, as we move on, we need to find a way to do this in a more inclusive way, in a way that listens better and, and brings it all together. So it's, it's at a very, very exciting time, I think, for, uh, for the sector in Ontario and across Canada. And I can't imagine there's any jurisdiction right now that isn't kind of viewing it that way as never a more critical time and never a more important time that we, we work together. So we are gathered here today to uh, celebrate International Women's Day. Um, OPG's executive team has uh, a number of women in leadership positions. What impact do you think that has had on OPG's operations and uh, corporate culture? Um, well, I, I mean, it's just interestingly, it's, it's not, it's our executive team and our board. And I actually went and double checked this morning because we've had recent additions to our executive team and then there's always changes going on at OPG, but both our board and our executive team are, are more than 50% women, uh, which I, I think is spectacular. And, you know, it's reflected at the very, very top of the house, our board chair, Wendy Key, who's been our board chair for a number of years now um, as, a, as a female is, is fantastic. And I think you need to reflect the diversity that we want to see throughout the organization at the very top. Um, sets a bit of a tone, sets a bit of an expectation, and, it, and it, it sets sort of the view that this can be done. This is not something that's impossible. There's a vast array of talent out there at both the executive level, the board level, and, and many other levels. And um, I would say that we probably still have a lot of work ahead of us uh, at, you know, as we move down into the organization at the senior levels and, and throughout where we, I'm not suggesting by any imagination that we've, we've accomplished everything we need to but we're trying to do the best we can by setting the tone at the top there. And um, I, I just, you know, there's so much evidence about that, not just it being the right thing to do. It's, it's the diversity of thought that you get when you have a broader, more diverse representation at the board is, is, I mean, the evidence is there and then you can see it in real life. It just leads to better results and better outcomes. So uh, it, it's been great. And it's, it's also, it's changed the dynamic, I think, at both the board and at the executive team about the way the conversations go on and the way that the meetings are held. And there just are more conversations now, I would say. Um, I mean, I, I, maybe it's a little bit less formal, if I could put it that way, when you have a, you know, a 50, 50, 50 men and women, um, more curiosity, more conversations, more open dialogue. Um, which I just think leads to, again, better conversations, better sharing of ideas and views and, uh, and hopefully like better, better outcomes. So it's, it's, it's been an amazing experience. So what advice do you have for young women looking to start off their careers in the electricity sector? 
Yeah, I was thinking about this one. And, um, you know, when I started out 25 years ago, uh, I'm actually a biologist. I often mention that sometimes because I think people are like, wow, that is a weird thing to be um, and, and doing what you do. But I was very fortunate to have a lot of people sort of reaching back and helping me out. And I certainly would never have um, been able to do the things I've, I've been allowed to do in my career without the help of, of other women and other men. And I think now with the recognition that, you know, you can't leave behind 50% of, of the population or a huge chunk of the potential workforce, there's so many ways that I think um, people are setting up women to be successful. So I would encourage women to jump right in, whether, you know, a career in the skilled trades for women could be a fantastic opportunity. The number of skilled trades we're gonna need over the coming decades is, is incredible. So we need skilled trades, we need management roles, we need upper management, we need executive level, we need board roles. So I would jump in with two feet um, and reach out, like reach out to the avenues that are there to, to welcome you, to support you, whether it's at the individual level of, of, of someone like myself or many others at OPG or in the industry. And there's a lot of groups, venues, supports, tools that are available now, I think, to help um, young women and, and, and all women in general sort of have a more successful career. Because you do need you do need that. And I needed it back then and women still need it now. And that's OK. And we all just sometimes need a little bit of a hand, a little bit of support, a little bit of guidance. And I think it's there. So never jump in and ask for help. Um, so OPG uh, has been a leader with uh, having almost 50% or over 50% representation on their board and their executive team. Uh, but OPG is also uh, a leader in the transition to a sustainable energy future. Uh, can you speak uh, some more to the work OPG has underway to build a more emissions-free, reliable, and of course, affordable uh, electricity system in Ontario? Sure. And, and, and this is where I, I sometimes joke and I say, I think we're there's a movie, I think, called uh, Everything, Everywhere, All the Time or All at Once. I, I actually think that's, that's a little bit um, where OBG is at these days, of course, in a, in a very organized way. I wouldn't want to make it sound like we're not. But we're recognizing that it's a time when it's not about one technology or two technologies. It's about really it's going to take multiple technologies for us to reach net zero and to, well, first deliver on the electricity system that's going to be needed. Um, we've seen the ISO come out with a, you know, a view that by 2050, it needs to at least double and everyone has. So we're, we're looking at a whole host of things. Um, a lot of work with SMRs, so small modular reactors, um, you know, we're, we're advancing down the path to deploy the, the first grid scale SMR. Um, in North America at our Darlington site, where we currently have our existing Darlington uh, units that are being refurbished right now, actually, are partway through their refurbishment, and we're looking to deploy an SMR there. Um, but we're also looking to deploy other types of SMRs. So we're looking at very small modular reactors and what, you know, what application could those have for remote communities or mining communities where you need a smaller off-grid um, type of a, an SMR, so SMRs, but we're also uh, we're also looking at hydro again, and so we have a bit of a history. We got um, a significant existing operating fleet, hydro fleet, but we're we're now taking a renewed look at what new hydro could be built out over the coming decades to support the drive to net zero. And we re recently released uh, a report that we did 
um, at the request of, of the province of Ontario that, that talks about sort of 4,000 megawatts of untapped hydro in the north. And, you know, these these uh, these megawatts won't be easy to get at, um, uh, you know, requires transmission support. It's going to absolutely uh, require some really, really um, early and uh, meaningful conversations with the Indigenous communities that are in these areas and, and a great opportunity to form partnerships with them. But, but we need to get working on that. And we are. Um, but we're also doing, you know, our, our Atura subsidiary, our, our natural gas subsidiary is looking at hydrogen and, and, you know, how can hydrogen be blended? What could hydrogen mean as a fuel for transportation? How could it work for industrial applications? Um, looking at battery storage. Um, and then we, you know, we have our transportation electrification subsidiaries. So we've got, uh, you know, we've got power on, it's an entity that's looking at how do you, how do you charge, uh, tran um, transit fleets. So they've got a project with the Toronto Transit Commission. How do you electrify all these buses? Um, and then how do you charge vehicles? We've got our, our IV charging network that, uh, in partnership with Hydro One. So, you know, a charging network throughout Ontario, so people can charge their vehicles. So, that, that's a pretty diverse array of things that we're looking at. And I sort of whiz through it all because we don't have a lot of time to dive into each of them. But I, I think it's indicative of the fact that it, it's going to take a lot of different technologies and uh, we better get on with it. So you alluded to this a little bit, but uh, could you speak a little more to what some of the challenges OPG has faced or expects to face when it comes to meeting our net zero by 2035 and 2050 targets? And also, what, where do you see the opportunities for OPG or, or the Canadian electricity sector as a whole? Well, uh, you know, I've, in my career, I've had the opportunity to, to, to be sort of at the, the ground floor level building new generation projects on the, on the hydro side of our house, as it happened. And these have always been very, very challenging things to do. It's just challenging to build new infrastructure um, in Canada, and I imagine many other jurisdictions. It's just things with long lead times, um, the need for for broader community support, the need for absolutely you know meaningful discussions with Indigenous communities and having their support, the technical pieces of it, the financial pieces of it. They're just they're challenging things to do, but I absolutely think that um, OPG and many others in this province and in this country and members of Electricity Canada are, are in fantastic position to do this. Um, I guess a couple things that, that are, are going to be pretty important. I think um, there's some things sort of before us now as we head into federal budget season, um, some tax credits that I think will, will need to be sorted out so that there's a bit of a leveling of the playing field between Canada and the U.S. and and so that the sector can get that little bit of that financial support as we look to build out the system in such an immense way. Uh, I'm confident that, that those pieces are coming together. We've had very strong signals from this federal government. We've seen great signals in the fall economic statement. So very hopeful that we will get those financial signals again in the budget that will come out in the, in the coming month or so. Um, and I think so some some thinking around regulatory efficiency. I think if we we need to build this system out in such a rapid way, which which we do because we don't have a lot of time, um, looking for regulatory efficiency. And I don't I don't put that back on necessarily the governments or the regulatory agencies to solve. This is something as a sector that I think we need to work on together, and we need to bring forward to the agencies, to the governments, and say, okay, these are your goals. Um, be they climate change driven or economic driven. 
this is how we want to work with you to get through this and move this more efficiently and, and really show up to have that conversation. And I think you know, Electricity Canada has been a great vehicle for, for supporting that and will continue to support that. Um, I think that that's that those two pieces are critical. So financial and and regulatory. And then, you know, I wouldn't say, in, you know, I don't want to ever consider that, you know, Indigenous relationships, consultation, engagement and partnerships are a challenge. It, it's a huge opportunity, actually. Uh, it's an opportunity to make a meaningful difference um, for so many of these communities and by having their participation in these projects. And it really does bring a, a value to the projects. But I, I, I worry a little bit about them being challenged because uh, being inundated with all that is going on and, and organizations now realizing the need to have these meaningful conversations with communities. But it's a, I can imagine, and I'm hearing, it's an awful lot uh, all at one time for them. And so I think we need to be uh, considerate and organized as proponents, as utilities, as players in this sector on how we do that and try to set them up for the most success and the best outcomes possible. So that brings us to the end of our conversation, um, but we have uh, one last question on the Flux Capacitor podcast. We like to ask everyone about the last book that they read and if they would recommend it to our listeners. I'm the other one who's like the worst for this. So my friends always make fun of me because I have about 10 books on the go and I don't ever finish any of them. I sit five, you know, five at the cottage and five at home. Um, but but there is one that I'm getting close to getting through that I, I, I thought was kind of relevant. Um, it was called Educated. I don't know if you've heard of it uh, by Tara Westover, just a really, really interesting story. Um, and, and when you think about, you know, women and education and skills, trades, uh, executive roles, board roles, um, and yeah, it was just, it was an interesting read and well, I'm not done. So it's, it's been an interesting read thus far. So yeah, I would recommend that one. Thank you. Educated. Okay. Well, Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and contributing to another successful International Women's Day podcast takeover. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future episodes. Please take the time to rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. And let me know what you think of The Flux Capacitor. You can find me on Twitter as Brad Bradley. The website is thefluxcapacitor.ca, and it includes links for this episode on the show page, this being episode 72. And while you're here, check out the Book Club page which provides info and links to the books which have been recommended by guests on the Flux Capacitor, including Educated by Tara Westover, Heather Ferguson's recommendation. And let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.